If you couldn't tell by the name of this podcast, it is not appropriate for children. The content of our episodes may include subjects of sexual and or abusive nature against adults, children, and or animals. While the topics of this podcast are typically very serious, the hosts have trash mouths and inappropriate senses of humor. If you are easily offended, Karen and Linda, this likely isn't the right content for you. Proceed at your own behest. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Allison. And this is Courtney. And you are listening to Murder Porn. Boo, boo, boo. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to my brother-in-law. He's working on the music, I swear. Also, my sister is working on our logo. Mm -hmm. Pulling in all the favors this time. (laughs) We're really getting the family involved. (laughs) (laughs) Doing what we can, for sure. Um, I just wanted to apologize to everyone, um, for all the background noise in the last podcast. Um, that was me. (laughs) That was my ADD. I was fidgeting while she was recording and it was really rude and I'm sorry. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I bought a fidget spinner. It's going to be here soon. It won't happen again. I swear. (laughs) And also like I was interested in your story. (laughs) I was not disinterested. (laughs) Um... So I just wanted to mention that. It's okay. (laughs) It can be sometimes hard to like, when you're listening to something, to not like start to fidget with things or not do, I mean, and I don't even have ADHD or anything. I have ADD and I have really bad anxiety. So I like always am wiggling, jiggling. I'm working on it. (laughs) I'm trying um, bilateral stimulation. It's like an EMDR concept. Mm -hmm. It actually works oddly, like something weird about it. And I think the most soothing for me is the music that like you turn your phone sideways and it like alternates the speakers. I don't know why it's soothing for me, huh. but it it works. Anyways, um, we're recording together today on this Yay. lovely Sunday afternoon. Um, we are at my house. So if you hear my cats in the background, Yoda and Dobby, um, they like to be included in things, so... They're just co-hosts. They're chiming in on how they feel about everything. <laughs> they're very vocal. They're they're very opinionated. <laughs> um, okay, so when we left you guys last, well, was there anything you wanted to talk about until before I dived in? Dive, dived in? Dive in? Dove dove in? Dove in? Dove in. I think it's dove. Dived? We sound so <laughs> smart. We're actually both extremely smart people, but for whatever reason, we always just make ourselves sound really stupid. Didump dump. Um. Anyways, what, did you want to? What did you want to mention anything before I begin the story? Uh, the Sherry Papini thing. Yeah, we've been going back and forth about yeah. that girl. It is gone, girl. Gone, girl. Um, not done correctly. No. She she um she botched the Gone Girl method. I that's legit what she tried to do. I swear to God, she read Jillian Flynn and was like, "I got that." That's probably yeah. That had <laughs> to have been. And but she was like, she was really kind of not smart, but almost kind of smart at the same time. Like she specifically, somebody mentioned because I made a TikTok about it. Somebody mentioned that she called out like. Hispanic women. Yeah. And then came up with the dumbest stereotypes for them. Like the fact that, you know, they had like the big hoop earrings and the bandanas and then like, 
Talk um, about fucking racism. Well, and then they they went. She went on to say, you know, they were listening to mariachi music and. Are you shitting me? No, feeding me tortillas and rice, and it was like, are you kidding me? And even like one of the articles I read said, you know, they she almost relied on the police officers' racism or like their belief of stereotypes doesn't she live in california mm-hmm. yeah that doesn't surprise me though because there are i mean especially in and around the la area racism is inherent within that like the lapd like it's been a common issue in the past well and she's from she's from redding and i feel like i've heard that redding was isn't a very affluent town mm. so of course i think that there's probably going to be some Here's what I don't understand is this bitch had everything, Mm -hmm. everything. She was beautiful. Mm -hmm. She had a great husband. Mm -hmm. She had a fucking beautiful family. Mm -hmm. And she just, what, decided, I want to figure out a way where I can go on vacation with my boyfriend, but get away with it. Mm -hmm. And this is the fucking thing she came up with to stage her own kidnapping. Yeah. Also, like, here's what gets me is the article I sent you the other day. That she basically said it was all women that abducted her. Mm-hmm. What And what got her was her boyfriend's semen on her clothing. Yeah. Like, she couldn't have just thrown a man in there somewhere to, like, yeah. cover that up. To uh, make it look legit. Also, um, like, why was his semen on her clothing? <laughs> well, it was in her underwear. That makes sense. Be- well, yeah. The I the whole thing is messed up. Like her family and her husband are there and they're freaking the hell out. Like why would you put your family through that? Like know. that is the most selfish fucking thing I've ever heard. And then just break up with the dude. Yeah. Totally. Or was she just not sure she didn't want to divorce? No, she didn't want to divorce. She wanted to have her cake and eat it too. Yes. And then she got, and she's, like, benefited from this monetarily. Yeah. She got like, there was a GoFundMe. She yeah. got 30 grand from the California, like, Vic, like, the um. Victims Board. The what victim is it? It's, like, Violent board. Crime Survivors mm-hmm. something, which is, I didn't even know that was a thing until recently. And also, like, that's kind of cool. It is. It's nice if you don't benefit from it. Well, like, if you actually need it. Like, if you need yeah. to take time off. If there's medical bills you need to pay. If you need to see a yeah. therapist. It's really cool that those resources are available to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was, like, almost $50,000 from a GoFundMe. And you know that probably some church got together, like, that they, they were part of or something. Like, good and, people like, yeah. that wanted to help her out. On top of that, all of the police resources that she wasted, that shit costs fucking money. Taxpayer money. Yeah. And then, on top of that, just the fact that, like, they could have been focusing on other things that were actually, like, important. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, and that's the other thing is somebody, like, uh, alerted me to the fact that on TikTok they were like, yeah, there was another woman that was uh, reported missing that same exact day, 40 miles away in another town and you know sherry's case like went national why because she was a rich beautiful white blonde woman but um this other woman no yeah which i made tiktoks about her by the way we need to talk more (laughs) about like racism in the media like there's a lot of things that like could be tangentially related to this case that are problematic within our society that 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 should be discussed they call um, it blonde woman, blonde white woman syndrome. It's fucking terrible. 
Like, I mean, obviously, like, the family would welcome as much media attention Mm -hmm. as they could get to get the word out there. I don't blame the family. I blame the media for picking and choosing what they focus on. Yeah. And I've had, I've had people comment, like, I was actually pretty surprised. Somebody made a comment to me one time that, like, white children go missing more than black and Hispanic children. No, they don't. No, it's just reported on more. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, they do not. It's actually Hispanic and black children, actually more specifically black children. So they like make up 14% of the population, but they make up, I believe about 40 to 50% of the children that go missing. Like that's horrifying. Yeah. Absolutely horrifying. It's it's sad. It's so sad. I, I mean, it just kind of reminds me of the whole like, Atlanta child murders. Have you read about this case? No. So I think it was in like the 60s or the 70s. The Atlanta, like there were black children that were just going missing in Atlanta. And because it was an election year, the the mayor or the governor, I can't remember which. I'd have to do a little digging on it. But they decided that they weren't going to report on it and focus on it because he didn't want it negatively reflect, reflect on um, his re-election, essentially. Um, and these kids just kept on going missing. And um, the reason I actually know about this case is because John Douglas was involved in it. And as you all know, he's my fucking hero. He's amazing. And I want to meet him. Put the word out there. Yeah. <laughs> Spread the word. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of things that we could touch upon. And this, I mean, talking about this, it just kind of keeps me thinking, like, think about the the Native American population and Mm -hmm. the number of women and children and and probably men that go missing or are murdered and and it, it goes unsolved in those populations just fucking kills me. And it, I, it just makes me wonder, like, what can we do to make it better? Like, what can we do to set a precedent to, like, not make these people think if I kill this person or if I take this person that I'm never going to get caught? Yeah. Like, what sort of relationships do we need to work on? What sort of resources do we need to provide to these communities? You know, it's it's so frustrating. Yeah. So, um, all right. Anything else? Not that I can think of. Okay. Well, let's let's dive in. Yeah. Yeah. So when I left you all last week, I had no idea what I was doing. And then it dawned on me, like, one case I've been so fascinated in, and probably because it's close to me, but also because it's a woman, mm-hmm. is Belle Gunness. And she, um, most of her activity took place in LaPorte, Indiana, which is mm-hmm. not far from us. Yep. And she was considered um, the Black Widow of the Midwest, or Hell's Bell. And she was a serial killer. And she murdered men and children. There's not many of those. No. <laughs> so, Belle Gunness was born Brynhild Pulsdatter Streth on November 11th, 1859. So we're taking it back. Mm-hmm. She was born in Selbu, Norway. And her father was a stonemason. Um, it's said that she grew up very poor. She was constantly bullied as a child as a result of her appearance and her humble means. Um, her parents also owned a farm, from what I found. Um, and she grew up doing hard labor from a very young age. So her body kind of, like, developed to support that. So it was 
Um, she was tall. She was stout or, like, thicker as a result. Um, she was a very handsome woman, we will say. <laughs> um, think, like, Louisa Madrigal from Encanto. <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah. about? The strong woman? Yeah. That was Belle. That was Belle Gunness. Um, so she immigrated to the United States in 1881. Um, she first went to Illinois, to Chicago, where her sister Nellie already lived, um, this is where she kind of took her, her sister's, um, what she had already done and followed in her footsteps and also changed her first name from Brynhild to Belle. Her, her Brynhild really matched her handsomeness, I think. Probably, yeah. Like that name. That's kind of a... You think of, like, a very strong yeah. woman. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't know, that's... I am kind of when her name was gonna change. Yeah, bitch, that. I'd change my name, too. <laughs> All right. Um, at, like later on, she moves to Indiana. Um, her her story eventually culminates in a small town called Laporte. It's in northwest Indiana. It is west of South Bend and it is east of Gary. It's approximately seventy miles east of Chicago. Yeah. So, like an hour and a half, maybe mm-hmm. a little a little less. Um, to, by today's travel standards, I guess. Um, yeah, when, <laughs> not, not back then. <laughs> uh, when Belle first moved to the United States, she worked as like a house servant. Um, eventually, though, in 1884, so three years after she moved here, um, she married her first husband, and his name was Mads Albert Sorensen. Um, two years later, they opened up a candy store in downtown Chicago. It was not very successful. Um, Soon after, the store burned completely to the ground. Um, Belle had told the police that a kerosene lamp had exploded and, like, shot flames everywhere. Um, and this is the first time that she collected insurance money for, like, an incident. They took that money, and I found... I'm not sure about this, but one source said that they... I know that they used that money to purchase their first house. One source said it was in Austin, Texas. Which I never knew she moved away, and that's very far, so I'm not sure about that. Yeah. But eventually she gets back to Chicago. Um, They had four kids. Four. And in a pretty short period of time. Two of them died in infancy of what was deemed to be colitis. The symptoms of colitis are nausea, fever, headache, abdominal pain, diarrhea... Very similar to some forms of poisoning. Oh. She collected life insurance on both of them. Oh. Yeah. So another insurance claim. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I was like, how bad would the colitis have to be in order to... Yeah. I mean, apparently bad. Like, the other two of her of their children died in the same exact years that the business burned down and that the house burned down. They collected insurance claims from all of those things. All of the kids, all of the houses, all of the businesses. Um, most sources I found stated that they had life insurance on, on even all of their kids. Yeah. That's... First of all, it's rare, especially for somebody of like... So coming from somebody who used to sell life insurance, who still sells life insurance, people don't put life insurance on their kids. 
At least not today they don't. Because they don't want to admit the mortality of their children. Yeah. Like, they don't want to, in their minds, admit that something could go wrong. Unfortunately, things do go wrong, so yeah. I do recommend doing it. But, you know, a lot of people just don't because of that. Yeah. That's crossed my mind before, but I just never... Yeah, I mean, and funerals are fucking expensive, I, dude. And so are, like, sure. medical bills if they are in the hospital for a long time, mm-hmm. you know? Especially if you're on, like, a family plan. Those typically have, like, a higher deductible, like... I don't know. Anyways... <laughs> Let me switch gears back to true crime. Let's <laughs> go back. Rewind. So in June of 1900, the Chicago census recorded Belle as living in Chicago. It, mm-hmm. it, it listed her at this point as the mother of four children. Two were still living, Myrtle and Lucy, and also having adopted a daughter. Her name was something else, but she is known for this story's purposes as Jenny Olson. Um, around this same time, Albert's life insurance was getting ready to expire on August 1st, 1900. So they took out a new policy, and that policy was to begin on July 30th, 1900, so that there was no gap in coverage. But they do overlap for one day to make sure that there is no gap. Albert died on July 30th, 1900. The one day the policies were both enforced. uh, I have a feeling I know exactly where this is going. So she she fucking collected on both life insurance policies. Bitch is fucking evil, but also like, shit is smart, okay? She knows what she's doing. She ain't dumb, that's for damn sure. She greedy. Yeah. I wouldn't be killing my kids for, or husband for a new, well, my husband, but. That for legal purposes, I'm joking. <laughs> for legal purposes, I am joking. But I'm. But just saying, like hypothetically. Hypothetically. <laughs> All right. So he was deemed to have died from heart failure, as his doctor had treated him for heart-related issues, like in the recent past. Mm-hmm. Another doctor, however, who had seen him while he was sick, suggested that he could have been suffering from strychnine poisoning. Oh. His regular doctor trumped the interim physician and no op- autopsy was deemed necessary. So they did not complete an autopsy. Despite the fact, despite the fact that his family, Albert's family, was suspicious. Suspicious as hell. They were certain he did not die of natural causes as he had seemed very healthy before. They pushed for a formal inquiry into his death, but their pleas went unheard by police and Bell was allowed to collect on both life insurance policies. Wow. Yeah. She used the proceeds to purchase a farm. That farm was located on McClung Road in Laporte, Indiana. So this is where she moves from Chicago to Laporte. Okay. According to the CDC, strychnine is a highly toxic, colorless, bitter chemical that is commonly used as a pesticide for birds and small rodents. So it's something that is very accessible, very easy to buy, especially in this time. Mm -hmm. Um, It says that um, when inhaled, swallowed, or absorbed through the eyes or mouth, strychnine causes muscular convulsions that are so severe and frequent but eventually the muscles all fail to work from exhaustion and it leads to death through asphyxia because literally your lungs can't work anymore. 
Could you imagine how fucking terrible that would be? Yeah. Like, that is one of my worst nightmares. Are you shitting me? Bitch is brutal. Like, couldn't she have thought of something that just put him to sleep? Jesus Christ. Anyways, girl wasted no time to find her next lover. As she was preparing to move to her new farm, she ran into an old friend from Norway who had recently become a widower. His name was Peter Gunnis. That's her last name. Yeah. Gunnis. Yep. Peter had two daughters. One was only an infant. Um, they got married on April 1st, 1902, so, like, real fucking quick, and one week later, the baby died. Oh, my God, no! I was like, no, no, no! Yeah. The following December, Peter died when a meat grinder, because he was a butcher, Mm -hmm. on the farm, a meat grinder supposedly fell from a high shelf onto his head. I read on one source, though, that, like, one of the, um, coroners who, like, came to the scene to inspect the body... Looked at the the injuries and, like, dead ass was like, no, this is a fucking bludgeoning injury. This did not happen from this thing falling on his head. But nobody fucking listened to him. They're like, no, it's just a meat grinder that fell on his head. Like, we're just going to go with it. I don't know if it was because it was easy or this bitch was that fucking cunning. You know? Like, she just charmed all these... This handsome-ass woman charmed all these motherfuckers (laughs) into thinking that there's no way she could have done these things. So she gets away with it. Oh my God. Yep. Guess what? What? She collected the insurance money. Oh, of course. And then. There's so much insurance. <laughs> Wait till the end. Wait till the end. I promise. I mean, is this is this normal for this day and age? Nobody's. Much I mean, honest to God, today there is like a database that lists like, um, like for different types of insurance, all the claims that you've been involved in and like what was collected from each. And there's no way she would get away with this shit today. Like, bitch would have been in jail a long-ass time ago. Mm. There's too many... There's too many coincidences. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... Thank... Thank the heavenly stars. Thank the heavenly stars. Peter's brother came and took his older daughter away with him. She is believed to have been the only child to ever survive Bill Gunness. I want to talk to this bitch. I want to see an interview and talk about what it was like to live with her because I have a feeling that she was, like, militarized. <laughs> Probably. My God. So, it turns out Belle was pregnant when Peter died and she didn't fucking tell anybody. Mm-hmm. In May 1903, so she was, like, just pregnant, mm-hmm. she delivered a son and she called him Philip. In 1906, Belle told her neighbors that her adopted daughter, Jenny Olson, who she still had as her ward, went away to college. So she's gone. She just left. Nobody, she didn't tell anybody. She went to college. In 1907, she hired a farmhand named Ray Lamphere to help around the farm. They likely had an affair. Like, it is widely reported that he was very much in love with her. Yeah. This is the point where she began searching for male lovers through personal ads in newspapers from large cities. So she posted the same ad in newspapers throughout the Midwest that were, like, larger cities. One of which was Mishawaka, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, the, The ad reads as follows. Personal. Comely widow. At least she was fucking honest. 
who owns a large farm in one of the finest districts in LaPorte County, Indiana, desires to make the acquaintance of a gentleman equally well provided. So bitch is like, if you don't have money, don't even bother. Don't bother. With the view of joining future, or with, what does it say? With the view of joining forces. No replies by letter considered unless sender is willing to follow answer with a personal visit. Triflers need not apply. Yeah, there aren't, there's not room for two in this relationship is basically what she's saying. But they don't realize oh that. Gosh. It's like, you won't scam me. I'm scamming you, mother. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. It's more than a scam at this point. So what kills me is how successful, like, these ads were in luring men to her. It's fucking bananas. It's so sad. Like, these men that were, like, lonely and just looking for love and companionship. Yeah. So gross. It kills me. So in a short amount of time, Belle had a steady stream of gentlemen visiting the farm. People in the neighborhood reported, like, seeing her out. And, like, normally when they see her, she's, like, in her overalls, like, in her farm gear. She looks a mess. She's, they, they see her, like, regularly now on Sundays in town, like, dressed to the nines, mm-hmm. hair done with different men all the time. It's a small town. People fucking talk. Yeah. What were they saying about her is what I want to know. I can imagine because that... That doesn't look good. That's not a good look. Especially back then. I mean, now it's... Well, even now, I would think that that's not a very good look. Women aren't allowed to date around. Like, you will get slut-shamed so fucking quick today. Imagine what it was like back then. What were people thinking? What were they thinking? I'm surprised they didn't sit there and say that she was, like, a witch or something. (laughs) No, they just thought she was hoeing around. (laughs) Poor Belle. She's lived this tragic life. It's so tragic. Well, maybe they gave her a little bit of the benefit of a doubt because she lost two husbands. And then maybe they were like, well, she, you know. She I also needs, wonder, like, how common or uncommon it was for people to die like that back in the 1800s. Especially mm-hmm. kids. Like, I don't know. It, I don't know how the fuck this bitch kept getting away with this shit. If you go to, I mean, if you go to, like, cemeteries and stuff back then, like, you can see like entire families of kids that I know. have passed away, it's which so is so sad. Mm. I think antibiotics and vaccines for when were yeah, like when when did Louis Pasteur, you know, devise the pasteurizing process? When was um, the first antibi- antibiotic developed? You know, when was the first vaccine developed? I'd have to do research about that. I'd have to look into that. I mean, my husband would know. He's dang it. Where is he? he <laughs> he's at a funeral. Oh, no. <laughs> That's true. True story. <laughs> he's at a fucking funeral. <laughs> oh, <my> God, no. <laughs> Where are you? Oh, oh no. <laughs> it's not funny, but I'm sorry. This is, I always no, laugh at the like most funny. inappropriate shit i swear okay don't worry it's a coping. triflers need not apply <laughs> so one of the first men who replied to the the newspaper ad was named john moe he was from elbow lake minnesota 
she convinced this fucker to bring $1,000 in cash to pay off her mortgage, which we find this is a common thing that she says to men. All I need right now is $1,000 to pay off my mortgage and then life is going to be so good. And these fucking men drain their bank accounts and bring her cash. It's bananas. Also, she frequents the same bank with different men depositing cash on the regular. How do they not think something is wrong? Like, where is there to, like, report something? Like, was the SEC not a, like, was the Fed not a thing back then? Like, was the IRS a thing? Because that's reportable, like. I'm pretty sure. That's a lot of fucking money back then. That's a lot of fucking money back then. So, anyway, this guy brings her $1,000 in cash and paid off her mortgage. And then he disappeared within a week. Gone. Poof. Never to be heard from or seen again. Well, that's unusual. That's suspicious. I mean, it would be anywhere else, but right now, I'm not super surprised, to be super honest with you. Why were people so trusting of this handsome, comely woman? I don't know. I don't know either. She must have had some sort of charm. I'm thinking. Some some sort of... Well, you know, it's like that... It's... What is that? Like Some Ted Bundy shit. Where they... Anna Delvey, where they're talking yes. about how she's not the best looking person in the world, but yet she somehow charmed all these, which I'm sorry, I've seen Anna Delvey. I think she's pretty. So um, the next person or another person was George Anderson, another known victim, George Anderson. He's from Tarkio, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Or is it Montana? I think, Mon- I don't know. One of the M states. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, he said to um, that he proposed marriage to Belle, and he was sleeping in the guest room until the wedding night. Basically, she said all sh- he needed to give her a thousand to pay off her mortgage, and then she'll marry him. And he said, first we'll get married, and then I'll pay off your mortgage. So he's like protecting himself. Mm-hmm. But he said he woke up in the middle of what of the night one night while he was sleeping in the guest room, and this bitch was fucking standing over him in bed, staring at him. And when he was startled awake, she literally got all wide-eyed, freaked out, and just turned around and ran from the room without even saying a word. Yeah, this guy, fucking, probably the smartest guy in this whole ass fucking story. (laughs) He didn't even wait to see what that was all about. He threw on his clothes and he left in the middle of the night, didn't even take any of his stuff, nor did he ever come back for it. He later told people that, um... He knew she was going to murder him. And he was likely the only suitor to leave that farm alive. Yeah, girl. Wow. Yeah. Any Anybody that comes into her life at this point that I'm hearing in the story, I'm just like, no, turn back. Turn back. Yeah. Run. She fucks everyone over. Literally, she kills everyone. Somehow they all have insurance or money. That I was about she, to say, insurance, yeah. money, anything. Yep. Yeah. She, makes, she, she basically had, before they were... Even married. She was figuring out how to get insurance Mm -hmm. on him the day that they got married. So I don't know that there was insurance in place on all these, but they definitely all brought money. money. Yeah. And she goes to the bank with them and deposits the fucking money, you know, or cashes, checks, or, you know, whatever. That's crazy to me. Like, that's a lot of money back then, $1,000. I was thinking that. That's a lot. Yeah. So anyways, George Anderson, the smartest man in this entire story, period. Period. He got the fuck out of there. Um, so after George Anderson was a not so smart person, or maybe just we'll say not necessarily not smart, but just too trusting and mm-hmm. maybe a little naive. 
Ole Budsberg. Or Ola or Ola. I'm not exactly sure. It's O-L-E. We're going to go Ole. Anyways, he was a widower from Iola, Wisconsin. Mm. And he went to the bank in Laporte. He mortgaged his Wisconsin land, his property there. And he signed over the deed to her. Oh, no. Uh-huh. And then, and then he took out several thousand dollars in cash from his account, and he was never seen again. His children that he left, they wrote to her looking for him. And Belle wrote back, basically denying that she had ever seen him. Yeah. So now she's got getting, she got, she's gotten money, a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And now she's got property mm-hmm. because of him mm-hmm. and money. Yep, and she'll probably sell that. And that's basically her, his kid's inheritance. Of course. And they probably still live there. I mean, I'm I'm just assuming this portion of it, but, like, imagine what position they were left in when she sold that yeah. out from under their asses. You know? God. And they're orphans now. Awful. Yeah. I mean, I guess at least she didn't kill them, but... Yeah, well, they never came to her. Yeah, that's what I... That, yeah, because she never yeah. got the chance to. Right. Well, the other thing is, like, she knew that if he transferred the deed over instead of, like, having him put a will together, mm-hmm. that she, like, she didn't need proof of death. So, yeah. like, she never had to report anything or, mm-hmm. you know, he was just missing. And it didn't matter. She still had that land because the deed was in her name. Yep. Yep. So, uh, in case you were wondering, there were more. (laughs) So many more. (laughs) Until December 1907 when Andro and... I think his last name is Helgelian. Helgeline? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with Helgeline. He's from Aberdeen, South Dakota. And he fell into her trap. So there were, t- there were more, there were countless more, and then this is the last one. This is the one where everything kind of comes to a head and, like, you know, it's getting very intense. Mm-hmm. So they exchanged several letters, and he saved every single letter. And then Belle wrote, confessing her love for him, and you can actually find this letter and read it. I found it, I think, um, the Laporte Indiana Library website has, like, a really good page. And, like, it goes into a lot of detail. Like, I read it for hours. Hours. Like, there's so much that I did not put in this podcast. Just for, like, time reasons. Yeah. So, anyways. Um, they exchanged several letters. He saved every single one. And then she writes to him confessing her love for him. And asking him to come live with her. And prepare to basically never leave. She's prepared to stay forever. <laughs> And um, I'm sure she meant that in one way and he took it in another. Yeah. (laughs) So in January 1908, he did just that. He left all the letters behind. He um, brought along a check for $2,900, which was all of his savings. She promptly took him to the bank in Laporte and deposited it in her account. Okay, so not surprisingly, Belle began to have issues with Ray Lamphere, the farmhand she Mm -hmm. hired, around the same time. That Andrew came to town. (laughs) It's believed that he was so in love with her and likely very jealous of her marriage to Andrew. Uh, They started having issues and she fired him on February 3rd, 1908. Only a few days after this, Andrew was gone. And Belle was depositing another $1,200 into her account. Hmm. And convincing the local law enforcement that Ray was crazy and needed... 
to be evaluated essentially for sanity. Yeah. Like she she's trying to tell them he's certifiable. Mm-hmm. Um he was pronounced sane. They did fucking evaluate him and pronounced him sane. And when that happened, Bell went back to court and stated that he was a menace to society and a threat to the safety of her family. And she had him arrested for trespassing on her property. Bitch is fucking... First of all, she's gaslighting the shit out of him. Yeah. She's manipulating him. She's the, he's the only man that she's kept around for, like, a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, at least eight years, right? Because she yeah. hired him right when she got there in yeah. 1900 or 1901. He stuck with her through all these suitors. A couple husbands. Like clearly there's a relationship there you know but also he's got to be like questioning he has to be questioning. he knows what's going on yeah he knows exactly and he doesn't care he loves her so fucking much it's bananas to me (sighs) so around this same time like this is all happening sort of like within days of each other i think or at least weeks like very close in proximity Andrew's brother was growing worried and he started like digging into his brother's whereabouts and writing to Belle and asking her, um, you know, what happened to him? Where is he? He was very persistent. He, he, um, she tried to tell his brother, his name is Asle or Asla, Asla maybe? A-S-L-E. I don't know. I don't like saying Asle because it sounds like asshole. And I don't think that's how his name was pronounced. So we're going to go with Asla. It's, I think, Norwegian. Anyway, she told him that he went back, that Andrew went back to Norway. Mm-hmm. So I'm, to like visit family. So yes, it's Norwegian. Yeah. So she, so she told Asla that Andrew went back to Norway and he called her on her shit. And he's like, no, my brother would not do that. I think he's still in Laporte in the area. And the uh, fucking audacity, the audacity of this woman. She invited him to the farm. She's like, come. I'll, I'll even help you look for him. Um, but you're going to have to pay me for my time. So basically she's trying to fucking extort more money out of this motherfucker. Yep. Bring money. Pay me. I will help you look for him. But guess what? You're not fucking leaving. That was, I was like, kill him, right? <laughs> that was exactly her plan. I guarantee it. But I think Asla was smart. They said in some of the sources, like, he found all the letters and, like, like kept them and read them. And, like, he knew. This motherfucker knew. Red flags galore. Okay? So, in the meantime, while all of this is happening, Belle hired an estate planning attorney. And this is literally happening within days of each other. She hires an estate planning attorney. She had a will drawn up. And she stated to the attorney that she was afraid for her life and the lives of her children as long as Ray Lamphere, the farmhand that she fired, was a free man. She threatened, he, she said that he threatened to kill her and burn her house down. This bitch. This fucking C-U-N-T. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. Love. Love. So she basically let, she had documents drawn up to leave her entire estate to her children and as like a secondary beneficiary. So if her children also passed away or predeceased her in any like capacity, then it was left to um, um, an orphanage in Chicago. For some reason, she never reported this threat uh, from Bray to the police. 
Um, but you know, apparently, um, attorney client privilege mm-hmm. wasn't a fucking thing and word got out somehow. Mm-hmm. And so the whole fucking town knew that he supposedly threatened her at this point. I feel like that and word setup. spread fast, girl. Yeah. This is a setup. <laughs> yeah. You can tell, right? Yeah, like she's fucking, she's scheming. She's mm-hmm. fucking scheming. She's plotting. She's planning. Now she's carrying it out. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. In February 1908, she hired a new farmhand. His name was Joe Maxson. And just a couple months later, in the middle of the night, on April 28th, 1908, Maxson woke up to smoke um, in his room. And he quickly realized that the house was engulfed in flames. There was no way for him to get out. He opened his door. There were flames everywhere. Um, so he jumped to safety. He was in his underwear and he jumped out of his second story bedroom window. And due to the time of day, due to the remoteness of the property, due to the, the era that this happened in, um, by the time help had arrived, the house was just a smoking pile of ash and rubble. No sign of Belle, no Mm -hmm. sign of her children. So police and fire crews then began searching for Belle and her children and maxson stated that he was certain that they were still in the house there was no way that they could have gotten out based on like what he had seen when he opened his door um eventually four bodies were located in the in the ruins three were found to be children they were found in the basement underneath a piano from the main floor so that immediately caused suspicion because yeah. their their bedrooms were on the second floor. So if it had collapsed, in theory, the children would have been on top of the piano. And then it would have fallen through yeah. into the basement, but they were underneath they the were piano. Underneath which make, made them think, like, maybe they were already in the basement. Like, this was sus. Super sus. Um, anyways, so um, the other body that was found was an adult woman um but it was a very a very small stature so there was like and also oh fuck i forgot this is very important there was no fucking head the head was not there very important detail no fucking head so a decapitated female body of small stature like they estimated maybe 125 pounds probably 52 or 53 with head <laughs> <laughs> Head. smaller without head yeah. just so we're cons- like just so we're on the same page a little lighter <laughs> so the children were believed to be myrtle lucy and philip who were the the children who were remaining now they're fucking dead too okay. I'm guessing she probably had life insurance on all of them probably probably had life insurance on herself but i don't know anyways um the sheriff on the scene was Sheriff Albert Smutzer, and he quickly recalled, one, once he was there, the rumor of Lamphere's threats to murder her family and murder her and burn their house down. And he determined that, um, that Ray Lamphere had carried out his promise to murder Gunnis and burn her house down. So they continued sifting through the debris for a head and her teeth to properly identify the corpse and also arrested and charged Lamphere with murder and arson. So, like, they didn't even look for any fucking evidence. All they arrested him on and charged him on was rumor. Like, clearly there was no, like, chain of command here. Yeah. So they just completely ignored that she is obviously gotten smaller, lost a little weight. Yeah. 
Yeah, so the difference in stature was about five inches in height and 100 pounds. 100 pounds. Like, there's no fucking way. How dumb. Like, maybe they were thinking, like, when she burned up all the moisture, like, I don't know, how how you lose 100 pounds. That's one hell of a diet. Uh, Yeah, just set yourself on fire. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) For legal purposes. Highly not recommended. (laughs) So they never fucking found this bitch's head. Never. Never. All they found eventually after they hired this guy to come in and sift through all the rubble and ash, they found a dental bridge. And her dentist confirmed that he had created this for Belle. So they determined in the long run, even though the body did not fit her description, and they found this dental bridge, that it was her. No head was ever found. Well, yeah, because you're going to be able to figure out that that's... I mean, what does it matter at this point? Are they really going to check to see if it was her? Because they obviously didn't notice the fact that it's a completely different, like... They did notice. There was a lot of question and controversy surrounding this. This fucking cop just was clueless. Chose to ignore it? They fucking chose to ignore a lot of shit. Like, Good. was he having an affair with her, too, maybe? I don't know, man. Maybe he was giving her money. Maybe and... she was giving him money. Ooh. Because there's never any, like, report of her spending extravagantly. But she's collected so much insurance money throughout the years. And there were so many men that came to her farm. Some of them were believed to have bring her, brought her as much as $32,000. So imagine if there's, like, multiple... Like, this bitch was rolling in it she had to have been $32,000 yeah okay so the fire happens and like within days Mm -hmm. within days Andrew Helgelin brother Osla Mm -hmm. he fucking shows up in Laporte he goes straight to the sheriff he explained his story he explained the letters he found he explained his suspicions surrounding Bell Gunnis he explained the personal ads he, he, he explained the letter that was last seen begging Andrew to come marry her, saying that she needed a thousand bucks to pay off her mortgage. Boom, boom. M-O. M-fucking-O. Okay. Modus operandi. We're seeing a pattern. <laughs> he explained that his brother drained his life savings and took it all with him to Laporte to meet Belle. They allowed Osla to go onto the property and to look around. They gave him permission to dig around if he wanted to. Yeah. While they're still there sifting through the ashes... I mean, you know, what does it matter? She's dead. Right. <laughs> um, so he, he's at the property. He's looking around. He goes, for some reason, to the hog pen. And he, there's, like, a pit in the hog pen. Like a trash pit or, like, I don't know. Hogs eat everything, so I'm assuming, like, there's piles of shit that they... I don't know. Anyway, so there's this, like, pit in the hog pen, and he sees something suspicious in it. And he asks the workers that were, like, sifting around for Belle's head in her house <laughs> to drop what they were doing. The head's not important right now. No, no, no. no. <laughs> and he's like, I need you to come. I need you to dig in this spot, in this hog pen. They found four fucking bodies in there. Oh. Four. Four. The bodies were all butchered like you would butcher a pig. And they were wrapped in oilcloth. And one of them was 
Andrew Helgleen, Asla's brother. Oh, my God. Yeah. So when this happened, the new farmhand that was hired, the one that escaped from the fire, Maxon, mm-hmm. um, he told the sheriff about more suspicious-looking dirt mounds. He's like, yeah, you know, when I first started working here, there were these, like, weird, like, sunken-in pits of dirt that she had me, like, wheel barrow dirt over to to cover to like make them level with the ground here let me show you like bitch weren't you fucking suspicious when she was asking you to do this and there's like these grave shaped fucking sunken holes people were fucking naive back Mm -hmm. then like living in the clouds (laughs) (laughs) all right so the following victims were found eventually on the farm that were able to be identified. Jenny Olson, her adopted daughter that she I said went away to college. To yeah. her. Okay. Two other unidentified children. Oh. Alla Budsberg, Thomas Lindbow, Henry Gerholt, Olaf Svenharad, John Moe. Ray Lamphere had John Moe's watch. It was believed that Lamphere was so in love with Gunnis that he helped her butcher and bury all these bodies. He had his fucking watch. He took a fucking trophy from this motherfucker. Mm. Um, Olaf Lindblom, Benjamin Carling. And the following were never found, but were also believed to be victims of Belle Gunnis. Um, her personal ad schemes to get men to bring her money in exchange for marriage. Christy, Crystal, or Christy Hilkven, Charles... Nyberg, John McJunkin, Olaf Jensen, Bert Chase, George Bradley, TJ Tiefland, Frank Reidinger, Emil Tell, Lee Porter, John Hunter, Abraham Phillips, and possibly many, many others. And actually, I think it was the um, Laporte Library like seriously such a good resource on this case they listed like exactly what happened when these people disappeared and it fit her mo like like they drained the cash in their account they had letters and they went to go see her in laporte and like never came back but those bodies were never identified or found because of the searching methods back then and the dismembering prior to burial it's uncertain just how many bodies were located at the laporte farm but it's believed to be in excess of 40 most of wow. which were never identified. Yeah. Bitch was... I mean, honest to God, that trumps a lot of the male serial killers that yeah. are very widely known today. And she's never talked about. Never. Give the women some more notoriety, goddammit. Right. It's because it's so taboo that a woman would murder anyone. Yeah. Give me a knife in the right fucking situation. <laughs> <laughs> kidding i couldn't stab anybody i'm definitely would be a poisoner (laughs) (laughs) for legal purposes we're that that was a joke we're joking kind of (laughs) (laughs) our husbands beware (laughs) yeah all right so ray lamb fear was found guilty of arson and he was acquitted of the murder charges though Hmm. yeah so despite the belief by many that the body was believed to be that of Bell Gunnis, it was actually a decoy and the dental bridge was a plant. Of course. He was still found guilty of these things, of arson. 
Yeah. She likely framed him for murder and the murder of her children in order to orchestrate her own escape from the growing suspicion surrounding her activity and the disappearance of so many who were once her guests. Ray was sentenced to two to 21 years. That's a big fucking gap. (laughs) And he died of tuberculosis while he was serving out his sentence in the Indiana State Prison in Michigan City, which, fun fact, was the same prison that John Dillinger escaped from twice. (laughs) Um, And it also hosted a slew of very famous mobsters and criminals throughout history, including, like, Al Capone. And, um, you know, I I encourage you to look that that prison up because it still exists and it's notorious for people escaping from it. Mm -hmm. It's obviously a shit prison. Hopefully they've uh, improved that. But I heard, like, no like i heard that during covid like this place was a nightmare to be in like covid abound anyways um he gave a deathbed confession Mm. of his involvement in gunnis's crimes to a reverend he swore she was still alive somewhere and that she intentionally framed him he never murdered anyone but he sure as hell helped her clean up the messes Her M.O. was to drug her guests and then hit them over the head with a meat cleaver. Or she would wait until they were asleep and then chloroform them to death. Mm, So chloroform and bludgeoning on top of, like, she used to poison them. Yeah. Um, So she likely was going to do that to George Anderson, who was the one who woke up in the middle of the night to her standing over him and got dressed and he got the hell out of George. Yeah. Good fucking call, man. Yeah. So then she would drag them all to her basement and she would cut them into pieces and she would bury them in the hog pen or put them um, in, it's called like a hog brining vat. So I'm thinking like that's where they brined the hogs to prepare them yeah. to be butchered. I, I don't know shit about that. So. so she would put them in that vat and then she would cover them with lime. Or if she was super tired and didn't feel like dealing with it, she'd just fucking feed them to the hogs because... Guess what, people? They eat everything. Everything. You ever want to get away with murder? Feed them to your fucking hogs. Give them to a pig. Yep. Um, So um, who even knows how many there actually were? Because, you know, it's possible that they could have just eaten everything, including the bones, and and they were never found. Right. (sighs) So So my question here, I have to ask you, because I – was she one of the ones – did she – did she burn like the first factory that they or Oh, for sure. Yeah. It was okay. all in, So I think what happened, like my theory as to like the um progression of her crimes mm-hmm. is that um she got fucking pissed cuz this candy store was like a a money pit and yeah. and it wasn't doing what it needed for her mm-hmm. and I think she just burned it down. And then she realized that she could get away with it and she could collect money and profit from this. And then she did it again with her house and her children. Mm-hmm. And I just think her greed took over. And I, I, I don't know. You know what? One thing they don't ever talk about is Munchausen's here. Yeah. Like, was she also, like, attracted to the attention and the, the pity that she was getting as a result of the deaths of all these people close to her? They don't talk about that. That's potential. Yeah. Well, I think mental health was, like, not a thing back then, so. No, it's, we know way more about it now. Yeah. So, Lamphere said that the female corpse thought to be Gunna's was actually a woman she had hired as a housekeeper and then murdered. 
Mm -hmm. um, decapitated her, weighted her head down, and threw it into a swamp. So they were never going to fucking find that thing. No. He said she likely chloroformed and smothered her own children before staging the bodies and lighting up the house. He said that he was supposed to meet her, and they were going to run away together. And turns out she had other plans for him, though. Um, and she had already set them in motion when she visited that attorney. Yeah. And planted that seed. Yeah. All right, kids. So she likely accumulated over $250,000 from the men she murdered. That is the equivalent of over $6.7 million in today's money. However, Jesus. her bank accounts were mostly drained prior to the fire. Of course. I wondered what happened to the money. Yeah. So basically the orphanage got nothing. Uh-huh. And this bitch took it all with her to wherever the fuck she went. I am confident that she did not die in that fire. She honestly, like, bitch was kind of smart. Like, this is some Ocean's Eleven shit. Like, very planned Makes out. Makes you wonder, like, if she did this other places after she escaped. She had to have. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, there have been many theories throughout the years of where she went. Um, who she was pretending to be, what she was doing, but none were ever proven. She was never found. One thing I am certain of is that serial killers don't just stop killing no. people and they don't change their MO. So we, she was probably still murdering people for money somewhere in the world, chloroforming them to death, drugging them, bludgeoning them, poisoning them. And folks, that's the story of Belle Gunness. Yeah. Sources I use were biography.com, murderpedia.org, legendsofamerica.com, the laportlibrary.org, and cdc.gov. So, that is that. It's crazy. Yeah. So. I haven't heard too much about her. So yeah, isn't like, that sad? Yeah. Like, I feel like even, like, Aileen Warnos is not... Yeah widely spoken about honestly i don't think anybody knew who the fuck she was until charlize theron played her in monster right um you know no she wasn't and uh, you know i would actually like to cover that case because i've read a lot about her and like she never stood a fucking chance she never stood a chance like she was living in the fucking woods homeless as a child drinking from an early age Mm -hmm. molested i just think that You don't pick where you're born. You don't pick what you're born into. Um, And some people, the only choices they have are bad choices, you know? Like, you you can pick between this bad choice or this bad choice. But either way, you know. And I say that, like, because I know a lot of people get on top of the choices that alcoholics make or drug addicts make. And, you know, I've always thought to myself, not every single person is born with the same tools that they need in life to Or the same support system. Yeah, and the same, yeah. And and the same support systems, the same tools, same coping mechanisms, the same um, ability to learn coping skills. So you end up going down very bad roads. And then, yeah. So, I mean... I mean, I don't feel like Belle Gunness was that way. I literally just think she's a fucking sociopath. (laughs) Yeah, and very greedy. And she never spent the money. So, like, I don't even think it was about the money. I literally just think it was about about the killing. Yeah. So, anyways, that's that. So, we've talked a little bit about 
what you might do next week. Have you landed on? So it does have to do away uh, missing four eleven. Okay, so I'm excited. I I'm excited to. Talk. I mean, not I, it's not specifically about the missing four. I'm, I am going to touch on that obviously because you know it does need to be discussed. But it is one of the cases. I'm so excited. So <laughs> if y'all could see my face right now, <laughs> I'm stoked. Yeah. So all right. Well, I'm sorry the cats didn't make much of an appearance today. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, now, now <laughs> they're fighting. One wants to play. The other does not. <laughs> anyway, so thanks for listening, guys. Um, you know, shoot us an email if you've got case recommendations, comments, compliments. <laughs> yeah. um, murder porn podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Check out Courtney's TikTok, which is. Courtney underscore Ann 1.0. Like I said, if I would have known that I was going to do something Can you like change this, it? I don't know what to come up with. We're going to talk about this. Yeah, I don't know what to If come you guys up. have recommendations for what her to change, what she should change her TikTok to, let us know. Yeah. We're open to suggestions, especially if you're punny. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. punny. Do you like punny? Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. I'm willing to go with something. Also, like, for TikTok purposes, you have to be careful of the words used yeah like we definitely couldn't put murder porn on tiktok no it would be like it would be yeah butter corn yeah Tik- <laughs> tiktok algorithm all the al- blah, blah, blah. tiktok algorithms don't recognize no. sarcasm take, yeah they will take <laughs> your stuff down really fast yeah yeah you don't want to get stuck in that fucking black hole oh no so that is all for today i think yeah uh listen to our other two episodes richard speck and um what was the one i did allison Botha. oh yes allison Botha, my hero <laughs> she's amazing um and you know like this follow this share it with your friends we appreciate any support and yes. um you know we hope you guys have a good one and we'll see you next week yay bye